and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about Season 5, Episode 17, Figmalion Part 3, Bye Bye Beardy. Bye Bye Beardy. Um, so for those of you who've been tuning in the last few weeks, you've been like, what the hell happened to the rest of the Figmalion saga? <laughs> well, we're back! <laughs> they kind of reference this in, um, show by saying that they sent Barry to Fat Camp, which, one, problematic, and yes. two, weird? Extremely weird. Like, it's just one of those things where, like, it, like, Len, it hammers home the fact that, like, Jack and Will are very shallow gays sometimes. But also, is that, like, a thing you could send people to? I mean, yeah. I know someone who's been to fat camp. But, like, as a grown-up? Yeah. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we were in college. But, yeah, her parents sent her to Biggest Loser Camp one summer in L.A. That sounds really depressing. I think her life is very sad. I'm sorry for her. I'm not. She was kind of a bitch. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, um, we're rejoining the saga of Barry, whom I'm now realizing the actor had been wearing, like, a fake belly the whole time, because now he doesn't have one. Right. Yep. Because clearly no one could lose that amount of, specifically belly fat in that amount of time right. without plastic surgery. So, clearly he was wearing, like, a Santa belly or a pregnancy belly. Or something. Matthew is giggling because Eliza has decided that right now is the time to love him. Say hi, Eliza. She just says purrs. She doesn't speak English very well. No, she doesn't even speak cat very well. She's usually just kind of a purr and kind of a... Why don't we do the uh, episode description? Yes, let's do the episode description while Eliza is still here with us. Bye bye, Beardy. Will and Jack's transformation of Karen's cousin Barry is complete. Karen duels with Beverly during the silent auction for charity. That's not a bad description. It's not a bad description. So um, the one thing it kind of leaves out, which is possibly because the human rights campaign didn't want themselves name dropped in this situation. Yeah. But it's the human rights campaign uh, gala. You know, to, before we go into some of the meat of this episode... I think this show has always kind of, like, used the human rights campaign as it's, like, one gay charity that everyone knows. And I think that relationship has never been more problematic than it is here, where we are presented with a human rights campaign gala that does not look like any gala anyone has ever had, uh-huh. much less the human rights campaign. Also, it's just this episode, something Matthew and I were discussing off mic, is that it very much so feels like an episode that a straight person would write about what they think queer people are up to. Right. And, like, clearly, like, gay people had, like, a say in how this episode was presented. Right. If nothing else, Sean Hayes was there. Right. He wasn't out yet, though, so... Well, okay, but that's neither here nor there. I just mean, there's a lot of this episode that's extremely reliant on stereotype. Yeah. Like, even from the the get-go, the idea that, like, Will and Jack feel that they have become successful gay mentors because they've clearly given Barry an eating disorder is, like... Right. The show is, is... For Will and Grace doing a good job of kind of hinting at, like, the the heel turn that they're eventually going to have to do where they're like, wow, I guess being gay isn't just being shallow. Right. But, like, it's playing it almost a little too straight. And yes. this episode is definitely there, doing that. There's a little bit of not enough of a wink-wink nudge-nudge about right. it, you know? Like, right. it seems a little bit too, like, yes, this is exactly just mm-hmm. what gay people are like. And, and the episode begins with, like, kind of the lead-up to the gala where, like, Barry has come back from fat camp. Yes. And he's getting a haircut. And, like, uh-huh. he's about to get fully figmalion Yes. And I think that there's just... That's a good premise, but I feel like Will and Grace really 
loses the execution of it. Yeah, it doesn't really stick the landing. So as the episode goes on, we see a little bit more of the gala. Um, And again, we see a lot of stereotypes. There's a joke from Grace about how she got her eyebrows done in the bathroom. There's a lot of lesbian bashing for no reason. Well, that's because gay men and lesbians apparently are from different planets or whatever. Gay men are from Uranus. Lesbians are from Pluto. Or something. And don't worry, transgender and bisexual people aren't even mentioned. Right. Like, they aren't there. Right. Um, at one point, Karen wins her silent auction. Spoiler. Right. Um, and then gives a speech, which uh, I've been to enough charity events to know that you don't typically give a speech when you are the one who bid the highest on a silent auction prize. Also, that's the whole point of the silent auction is they don't make silent. a big deal out of who wins the silent auction. It's, it's just like... silent. Yeah. Like, that's just not... That's not how that works. Ugh. Right. But then she's like, gays rule. And it's like, while I appreciate that sentiment... The human rights campaign does not only stand for the rights of gays. But I will counterpoint you, it's still the early 2000s. From, at minimum, the straight perspective, if not within the human rights campaign itself, they may have literally only been focused on the rights of gays and lesbians. I mean, that's possible, because, you know, as we all know, bisexuals weren't invented until 2005. Of course. Um... So, and, you know, transgender people are brand new. They, they mm. came out in... They are hot on the scene. Whatever happened... When Caitlyn Jenner came out is when the trans community was invented. Definitely not, mm-hmm. you know, centuries and centuries of hardship. Right, of course. But no. I, I think that while that is bad, I feel like that feels true to my perception of the human rights campaign, which has always kind of had a weird yeah. relationship with the actual gay rights movement. I mean... If you listeners remember When We Rise, yes. the um, miniseries that was on NBC a year or two ago. Was it on NBC or was it on ABC? Was it on? I think it was. Well, it was on one of the BCs. Um, but not BBC. Not BBC, no. Although maybe later. Uh, there's a scene at the very end where the human rights campaign kind of gets brought up. And there's this like tension between like the activist arm and this mm-hmm. very like neoliberal... You know, we can use the free market to convince straight people to like us. And, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're still in that time period. Oh, we absolutely are. And, I mean, it's also... So, for listeners who don't know this about me, um, I recently started a job, and I am an HIV prevention specialist. Mm -hmm. That's my job now. Um, And so, often I hear things from people, mostly straight people, about how they remember the AIDS epidemic. Right. And how it's like, oh, yeah, that was was terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's another one of those things where... The activism side of organizations like the Human Rights Campaign isn't always at the forefront. Right. We're seen as these big gay problems that happen now that we have marriage equality. We're all just supposed to assume they're fine. Right. And And they don't exist anymore. I think the fact that the show continually goes back to the Human Rights Campaign as their touchstone here is kind of, in a certain sense, it's kind of perfect because it's the Human Rights Campaign at this point in time is kind of in that same place as Will and Grace Mm -hmm. where it's definitely on the forefront and it's definitely in front of people it's definitely making a big change but also it's a very conservative yes organization nonetheless there, right so much like will and grace there is nothing radical about the mid-2000s human rights campaign and it's very entrenched in this neoliberal free market yeah. where like it's it's very if you build it they will come you know like yes if we put two gay people on television people will start liking gays right and i mean it's it's frustrating as hell to watch from 2018 and it's not that they're completely wrong right that's the other thing is like while we're sitting here frustrated that it's not pushing the envelope far Mm -hmm. enough at the time this was as far as you could push the envelope without getting shut down by censors this is probably for many straight people watching this episode live 
this is probably the first time they've gotten to see the human rights campaign in any form. Right. I mean, other than the subtle references the show has had, like, mm-hmm. Will has, like, a throw pillow with an equal sign on it And somewhere. there's a, a window cling that I think is in later seasons and is carried through the revival. Right. But before that, it's it's very, it's occasionally name-dropped, but this is, like, the most explicit, like, we're going to a charity gala for right. the human rights campaign, and we're going to be stereotypical AF about it. Right. But at least it's on TV. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. But Grace also learned how to rewire a lamp in the ladies' room, so. And you know what? That's beneficial, too. It's it's good to know how to rewire a lamp, and it's good to have your eyebrows done. Mm-hmm. Gays are contributing to society. And bisexuals aren't there. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're probably all on the roof pointing finger guns at each other. Yes, we're just out there being like, hey, like Fonzie. <laughs> and just like circling each other. For those of you who don't know that my headcanon is that the Fonz is extremely bisexual. Mm-hmm. You now know this. The, the Fonz is the original bisexual. That's why he jumped without shark. He knew that he needed to get out of the straight casting that had been happening to him. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, to talk about the actual plot of the episode, <laughs> um, I think the gala is kind of where this episode went off the rails for me. Yes. Because it's all build up and it's very interesting. And like before the gala, we get the kind of quote unquote bombshell that Will secretly is in love with Barry. Right. Which is... Presented in a very, like, glass-shattering noise way by Grace, where she right. just, like, she tells Will that Will has this feeling, and Will's like, no, shit. And while that's a bit weird, Matthew and I both kind of simultaneously realize that we've done this to each other a few times. Oh, absolutely, we have. Because we're just, we're the type of people who like to, like, exist without being in touch with our own emotions, but uh-huh. being very in touch with each other's emotions. Yes. So um, there have been so many instances where I, like, we'll be talking about something, and Tess or I will be saying something, and the other one will be like, you know, like, you feel this way, and then it's we'll like, be like, wait, oh, fuck. do I? Oh, that sucks. Uh-huh. Like, relationships, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm the negative Nancy minus, normally you want to break up with them. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I want to break up with them. Right. And it's like, yes, you do. Yes, you do, and you always have, <laughs> yes. Whereas Matthew's like, you like them, and I'm like, god damn it, really? Yeah, we do kind of do the opposite. <laughs> like, I'm much easier to convince myself that I like something than I don't like something. Uh-huh. You are very much the opposite. Yes. So, anyways, this that felt very real. But mm-hmm. then we get to the gala. Yeah. And Will is a fucking disaster. Yeah, it's this is so strange to me because the at the gala the whole bit is Barry shows up and he's it's very like Barry's being presented on his debutante ball. This is just coming out. Right. It's his literal coming out party. Right. And he looks fine. He's not anything I to mean, write home he, about. He's mid two thousands hot, I guess. Yeah. But- um also, did we mention that he's the son from the birdcage on the podcast yet? Because like, I don't think we did. He's the son from the birdcage, which if you, like me, were sitting at home and being like, who the fuck is this guy? Why does he look familiar? He's the son from the birdcage. Which you can't tell until he cuts his hair and shaves his beard. And gets rid of the fat suit. Right. And the Cosby sweaters. Right. Um, but I think, like, the episode portrays it as if, like, he's, like, now, like, a huge object of desire for mm-hmm. everyone there. And that's... There's something weird about that. I mean, in some ways, it makes sense. Barry is actually a very sweet and funny guy. So, But none can... of that is on display in the gala. I mean, it is a little bit. There's that moment where he tells that joke, and then Jack kind of gets a group around to hear him tell the right, right. same joke, probably. Um, it doesn't really hurt that Jack is his wingman. Right. But, That's true. But yeah, everyone's sort of like drooling over this guy that I'm going, he aight. You know, yeah. like, he fine. Like, I feel like... Obviously, the show is doing a lot with Barry, where they're having him, like, find his real gay identity. Right. But, like, I feel like the Barry from Figmalion Part 2 is probably the closest to, like, real Barry. Yeah. Where he's, like, a little bit looser and not quite as balled up in his 
shame and oppression, mm-hmm. but like not like a complete like. Hello, I am here at the ball. Now I'm going to find my Prince Charming. Right. And now I'm also British. <laughs> yeah, so it, it it feels a bit weird to mm-hmm. see that. And it also feels a bit weird that Will spends most of the night not actually interacting with Barry, but sort of like staring at him from across the room until Grace right. comes over to breathe deviled egg breath on him and be like, go talk to him, you numpty. Yeah, that's the other weird thing is that it just, the episode drags it out for so long. Right. Like, it's. We have established earlier than midway through that Will is in love with Barry. Right. And we established, like, the conflict of, like, oh, no, should I tell him? Or, like, what's going on? Right. But we hit the same beat over and over again until the very end. Right. And it's also frustrating because we don't ever see the tension of Will having what would, in my opinion, make sense as tension is, I feel weird about now that I like him because I initially rejected him. Yes. That is almost... That is That's not really Not brought mentioned. up at all. Yeah. And I think that... that might have been interesting. They mentioned in there that Will feels like he made Barry into a guy that's too hot for him to date. But they don't then explain further saying that like, and right. also I initially turned him down because he was a baby gay. and But now right. I really do have feelings for him. Yeah, I feel like there are two major objections to this relationship that are completely ignored. Which is that one there, mm-hmm. which is that he's already turned him down and like that's a huge like, like... First of all, he knows that Barry would be kind of interested, but also he's legitimately turned him down. Right. The other thing is that there's this really uncomfortable implication of, like, exactly... It's it's mentioned in the episode, right. the My Fair Lady thing. Right. Where it's, like, uncomfortable that he made this gay man and now wants to date him, like right. Frankenstein. Yes. Also, I did especially enjoy the two... Obviously gay literary character references. Uh, Henry Higgins and Dr. Frankenstein. Yes, because both of them are clearly gay. Clearly gay, You cannot tell me otherwise. Yes. Dr. Frankenstein, you know, he took all those men and sewed them together. He's got a flat... man. He's got a flat head so you can put your drink on it. Like, the logic (laughs) is sound. It's it's right there. But I think what's, what's interesting is that they bring up these two examples of these two guys who very problematically create a person who is their sexual object. But the episode doesn't actually say that that is what they're doing or that it's problematic. It's sort of like when someone writes an essay and they bring up two very important points but they never connect it to the thesis. Yes. And, like, the ultimate thesis is Will has legitimate reason to not express these feelings. Right. Or, like, Will has legitimate reasons to feel this way because that's transference. Yes. Like- exactly. But we don't get those two pieces connected in any way. And instead we have this really awkward moment of, like, terrible irony where Karen, she spends the entire episode fighting with Beverly Leslie over the silent auction mm-hmm. for a romantic dinner for two. Which, the less said about which, the better. Yeah, we just don't need to talk about it. Beverly Leslie's there. He's short. Karen makes fun of him. Whatever. Anyways, she ultimately dupes him into actually bidding on Indigo Girls tickets, and she wins the romantic dinner. Right, for two. and he melts like the Wicked Witch of the West. Right, and so then she gives the romantic dinner to, for two to Jack, mm-hmm. and so then Jack goes, "Who shall I take with me?" And then he goes. And then Which has not been foreshadowed in any way at in all. In any way whatsoever. And so Barry agrees. And there's this really horrible, wrench, heart-wrenching moment because Will had sort of said to Barry, maybe the guy who you should be with is right around the corner. Meaning himself. Of course. But actually it's Jack because Jack was also there. Listeners, rule to the wise. If you're talking to anyone and they say, maybe love is closer than you realize, they're in love with you. And then gauge how creepy they are. Yes. And, and make your decisions based on that. Yeah, I just, I feel like this show doesn't realize how creepy the relationship is because it has Barry go into that relationship with Jack. Right. Who is arguably creepier than even Will. Yes, because Jack, while lovely and flighty and funny, is weird. Is weird. And And kind of terrifying. And like in this episode alone, like is 
generally presented as semi-predatory. Yes. Like, he, at one point, identifies a, quote, queerling, because apparently the word twink hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, what, I feel like we need to look at the, etym- like, that. Like, Etymology of queerling versus twink. Thank you for hearing me go, uh, uh, and then knowing immediately where I was okay, going Okay, here's what, here's what it is. A queerling could be either a twink or a baby gay, but not every, wait, no, I think, I think queerling and baby gay must be synonyms. Okay. But I don't think every twink is... Or every queerling is a twink. Okay, here's what I think actually happened. I like, think... Damien from Mean Girls is a queerling. But he's not a twink. But he's not a twink. Also, um, have you ever seen that tweet where it's like, today is the one-year anniversary of that time I made out with that hot twink who thought I was also a lesbian? Mm-hmm. Because queerlings could also be baby lesbians who look like twinks ah, until you get up close. I see, I see, I see. So queerling could be like a gender, non-specific word to describe a baby gay. I actually kind of like that. We should maybe readopt queerling as a word that we use just because baby gay is very limiting so mm-hmm. other baby queers don't always feel like you know right invited into well, the baby. and queerling would also incorporate people who are gender non-conforming mm-hmm. i like this i think we can make this happen all oh, right i know that jack said it in like a really creepy way but we're gonna ignore that right i mean just like everything else on this show like let's take things that are really weird and creepy and just elevate them and pretend like the creepy part doesn't exist just erase the creepy history and bring it into yep. the forefront yep Will and Grace is amazing. Don't watch any of the old episodes, of course, but it's really amazing. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of Grace, she's like barely in this episode. Which is fine, because everyone has been so off this season. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing that really struck me about this episode, is that every character this season has faced problems of characterization. Yeah. And it has made Karen and Jack a little, I, don't, I hesitate to say better, but different. Mm-hmm. And it has made Will and Grace complete doormats. Yes. I think that they, it's made Karen and Jack different in an interesting way, in a way yes. you want to watch. Mm-hmm. Whereas Will and Grace, I'm bored with them all of the time. This is like the most possibly predictable plot line. Right. And then Grace spends the whole episode just telling everyone who isn't listening about fucking Leo. <laughs> I think there's no better like description of like where Grace's plot is stuck is that her plot, her C-plot this episode, is trying to tell strangers stories about her relationship with Leo. And those strangers turn on hair dryers or blenders so they don't have to listen to her. Like, that's, that's literally where her plot line is. No one wants to hear it. No one wants to hear it, and they are taking actively loud choices to drown her out. Not only does everyone know how this is actually going to end, no one even cares. Yeah, everyone's just like, well, this lady's clearly about to get a divorce. Right. <laughs> well, and I think part of it, too, is that, like, I feel like in a certain sense, Will and Grace have kind of opposite trajectories this season. Mm-hmm. Like, Grace has a very Will plotline where she's in, like, this sexless relationship and her partner's never around. Whereas Will, like, has a semi-romantic plot for the first time. Right. But he's just a complete anxious mess about it. Right. I mean, yeah, you're kind of right. They sort of switched like roles here where we have grace being straight in theory mm-hmm. and we have will being an anxious wreck wrecking his potential relationships because he doesn't know how to have right one. and i like it's a sitcom thing where you put characters in a situation and then sometimes you reverse it and the characters have the opposite situation mm-hmm. but it's like the writers don't realize that we don't want those situations at all yes we don't like, want those situations period so just swapping will and grace in those situations is still kind of boring right like i feel like karen and jack this season have been changed or their characterizations have been altered in ways that push that character plot forward mm-hmm. because will and grace's plots are so tied to their romantic lives you can't push them forward because they can't find fulfilling relationship you know yeah i don't know i don't know what to say about that other than that like that's just how sitcoms work yeah i would 
I would hope that at some point in the revival that the creators figure out a way to introduce a new romantic relationship that does last. Yes. I I don't know how that's going to happen without it being David Schwimmer. Ugh. I don't want it to be David Schwimmer. That's the other thing that is also frustrating about it potentially being David Schwimmer is that we had several points last season when we saw Grace really reiterate that she is perfectly happy being single. Mm-hmm. And we've seen at several points Will mention that he's miserable that he does mm-hmm. not have the partner and the family and so it really is kind of a big old fuck you to gay people that grace has this potential romance and will is still jerking off into a sock i don't even know what he's i don't doing. even know man i with the revival i live in perpetual fear that they're just gonna partner will and jack up and be done with it Ugh. um i i just be, i want the re- revival to give will a real relationship but i just we know it's never going to happen. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Grace could get another Leo who sticks Ugh. around in the background indefinitely. And it might be David Schwimmer. You know? Uh-huh. Karen might have the same thing. Like, Karen I could see in a, in a new partnership with a non-Stan person. Yes. Because while the Stan joke is very funny, we can already see in the original run that by season five it's getting a little stale. Right. So it obviously makes sense that when we're bringing it back that mm-hmm. it's pretty old by the time we get to season two. Right. So I don't know. On the bright side, I still kind of love Estefan. He's Estefan really- has really made it work. Mm-hmm. I want uh, the tiny cop back also. They could be a throuple. They could totally be a throuple. Or, hilariously, Officer Drew and Estefan could run off together. Oh my god, I would die if Officer Drew and Estefan ran off together. They're perfect for each other. Also, just because I really just love Brian Jordan Alvarez. I yeah. Just, I, think I would watch great. a show that was just the two of them. I would even suffer through the fact that Brian Jordan Alvarez is being settled with this horrific accent. <laughs> it's just a Spanish accent. It's horrific. It's hilarious. It's horrific. Anyways. All right. I think that's about all we've got for this week. Yeah. So uh, next week we will be back with the finale of the Pygmalion saga. Or Figmalion. Whatever we're calling it these days. It's still Figmalion. Gay Figmalion. <laughs> now I'm just confused. Matthew, tell them we're wrong on the internet. <laughs> All right, if you want to ask us what the actual name of the series is. So I can answer. So Tess can answer. You should send us a DM or other public message on our Twitter account. We are at Not A Couple Show. You could also send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And we're also floating around on Facebook, Tumblr, and hosting the podcast on iTunes and Podbean. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We will return next week for the grand finale of Figmillion. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I tried to do the No, I was just chatting. Uh-huh. Okay, what do you want the tag to <clears throat> This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hi, Liza. You did many purrs today. This week's episode was sponsored by LGBTQ charities that aren't the Human Rights Campaign. There are many, they're important, you should check them out and support your local queerlings. You did it. <laughs>